Brent Venables, Brent Venables, and Brent Venables. All that and more next on Dotting the Eye with Davis and Chad. What's up, Buckeye Nation, and welcome to Dotting the Eye with Davis and Chad. This is episode 16, and Davis, I only have one thing to say to you. Go Bucks. We're going to the natty. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it's crazy to think that, isn't it? It is crazy. From where we were sitting a couple of weeks ago, you know, we're talking about, you know, Big Ten championships and do we have enough games and yada, yada, yada. We go from that to winning the Big Ten title to absolutely destroying Clemson to now talking about playing for the natty, man. I, it doesn't get much better than that. No, and it it's a very pleasant surprise, and, you know, we talked a lot. First of all, uh, for the listeners, we finally got together um, and got to watch a game together. The second one of the season, but, it, you know, we've been trying to get together to watch a game for the last two months, and we finally get together for this one, and, uh, man, it this one is one I won't forget. I can guarantee that. Oh, dude, it was one for the ages, man. Just the... And the, the thing that killed me was that I think you and I both didn't really have, I mean, I'm not saying that we were completely negative, but we didn't have the best feeling going into this game. I don't think anyone did, to be perfectly honest with you. And at the end of the day, it's not that we didn't believe we could win. It's just that we didn't know what kind of team was going to be there because of all of the cards we've been dealt this year with the Big Ten not starting on time and then getting games canceled and then, you know, having our own players deal with COVID issues and so many things going on this year that I I knew what team we had and the people that really follow Ohio State know what kind of team we have. But, you know, when you keep when you continue to hear things for so long, you start doubting yourself and doubting your team. And it's not that I doubted them, but I was definitely a lot more hopeful than certain and which is not normally a you know something a, a boat that i would be in i'm telling you this game I, I said it before on the previous episode this game meant a lot to me for more reasons than the actual football game and what i mean by that is that you know i told you to me this was kind of a turning point for ryan day you know i we had failed in the biggest game that we played you know before this obviously last year's clemson game and this I year i we just failed thought, we we definitely got some stuff taken away from us. But yes, I mean, that's the thing. I think had we gotten blown out last year, it had been way different. But the way we lost last year is what made everything not only special for us, but I think drove the team more. Does that make sense? Yeah, and I was I, I, I was really waiting to see would Ryan Day have this team ready to go? Would he be prepared? Would he instill a game plan, you know, that could allow him to be successful? And boy, did he. Yeah, man. I All right, so if you were living under a rock, obviously Ohio State was touchdown uh, underdogs, and a lot of people figured that Clemson was going to blow them out by double digits to prove that Ohio State didn't belong. It's everywhere on Twitter, and it's everywhere on Facebook, and in the media. I mean, no one picked Ohio State, like, completely disrespecting them. Now, to an extent, I can't blame some of what they're saying because, like I said, we didn't look that strong um, at different parts of the season. And we had a lot of stoppages and we had, you know, minimal games. But the argument that we missed Illinois, Michigan and uh, Maryland that, oh, well, you know, anyone could I, I, knowing the team that we have. Sure, we haven't played our best. But we weren't going to lose those teams. 
I mean, I'm sorry, but we were not going to lose to those teams. The whole argument that we didn't belong is more on the basis of we didn't know exactly if we were good enough or not. Not, oh, they didn't play enough games, they shouldn't have qualified. No, we just didn't know if they were good enough. And I think they finally proved what they were capable of and what we always thought that they were going to be capable of. Man, I'll tell you what, man. Justin Fields showed he was such a leader, man, such a tough leader in this game. I mean, going through what he went through and still throwing for six six TDs and injured. Do you know what I mean? Like that shot he took from uh, uh, Skowski when he got ejected on the targeting call, that was a shot. Uh, when I first saw it and then I saw – I didn't even have to see the instant replay. When I saw how Justin Fields got hit and he didn't go forward at all after that, you know, and that that's a move that he typically does is he'll run and he'll spin to get an extra three, four yards to, you know, the, the tackler can't wrap him up clean and he'll be able to fall forward, and, and he would have had the first down in that instance. He did stuff that he's done all year, but he guessed wrong. He spun the wrong way and went straight smack into Skowski. And it's kind of unfortunate for Skowski that, you know, he got that targeting call, but, you know, it was unfortunate last year. It, well, it was unfortunate <laughs> last year when oh, Clemson was the beneficiary of a questionable targeting call to where, you know, had he not dropped his helmet, I'm talking about um, Goldilocks, you know, that yeah. would have that could have completely changed that game. Now, I think that was more of a factor in that game than Skowski being ejected in this game and that being more of a factor because we still were going to get ours against their team. Besides the first couple drives of the first quarter and the third quarter, Clemson had nothing on us. Like nothing. Which you know is really odd if you look at the if you look at the stat line because I think the key was Lawrence still got his. Okay, he was like 33 for 48 for 400 yards and two TDs. Yeah, but he threw the crap out of the ball, and he's going to have higher numbers because they only rushed for 44 yards, and they that's realized early on they weren't going to be able to run. I'm saying that's what I mean. I think the key to the game was that we stopped ETN, and he didn't look himself either. I don't, I don't know. I think he got banged. I think he got banged up a little bit early on, and not not to the extent Dobbins did last year, but I think you know he he kind of uh, his efficiency was going to be taken away from him for whatever he was dealing with. But I think our D line man. Did a great job. Did an amazing job at finally getting to the quarterback. Putting some you hits know, on the I really, quarterback. I really thought one of those guys, let's put it this way. You know, um, the players of the game, Justin Fields for offense and Tough Borland with eight tackles um, on defense. I didn't think Tough Borland was the player of the game by far. No, I thought I one of the D-linemen would, would get yeah. that award. Uh, one of the D-line, I would have probably given it to Justin Hilliard. Because Justin Hilliard, man, he was flying around the field when he was on there, and he made some big-time tackles. If you go back and watch some of the footage, he's coming off of one receiver and getting to another and stopping him in the backfield or stopping him from getting first downs and wrapping up. I mean, Justin Hilliard, man, I'm so high on him, and I'm so happy for the guy. I'm so happy for the guy. I mean, he was a five-star. First of all, he he was like, there, there are guys that like uh, got recruited with him that have been in the NFL now for three years. You know, he's a 60-year senior. He great he got uh, an injury eligibility uh, that he was allowed to come back and play again. I mean, that boy is probably 24 years old. You know, he's probably the oldest person in that locker room, but he he does. He's got a receding hairline. Well, and he he's got a <laughs> he's got a grown man facial hair too. Like he, he, he you take it off and you're like, "Oh, sorry, coach." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know the thing is, man, with him and and I'm kind of with you on that. I am not a tough Borland fan. I think, you know, I think he's a good player, man. I think he's a smart player. I think he's where he needs to be a lot of the time. I think he's got a good football mind. But, dude, he is, I can outrun him in a foot race right now. And I'm 40 pounds overweight and old. Well, we he were talking. Slow. We, 
We were talking about this during the game, especially with another one of your buddies, about this, but I think the importance of Tough Borland on the team is not as much his athleticism as it is. Well, it can't be because it ain't there. Well, he's the glue <laughs> that keeps the defense together, man. Like well, He's some slow-ass glue. Well, listen, it, does it still adhere? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Yeah. <laughs> adhesive is adhesive, okay? Maybe quick dry, it may take a couple hours, but it still gets the job done, right? I guess so. But, you know, he he's... He's got intangibles past the athleticism that makes him an important part of the linebacking crew. And, I mean, I think it's pretty obvious that Justin Hilliard's definitely the better linebacker. But Tough Boylan's been in the system for longer. He's had more experience, and he has more continuity overall with the defense. So I th- I feel like that's kind of why he gets, you know, get, gets the starting job, obviously. But I agree. I don't think he was a defensive player of the game. He had a good game, but he was not you know, a game record like some of our DNs were and, you know, how Justin Hilliard came in and a few other players. Well, while we're on the topic of defense, let's talk about Mr. Sean. Sean Wade. What a, what a turd in the bucket. I swear for someone is highly touted and someone that still somehow got postseason awards. How? I mean, how? I don't get it. Here's my thing, man. It, all season long, people been explaining it away. Yes. He moved positions. You know, I get that. He's doing something different. You know, he's doing this, he's doing that. And I understand that, man, and I sympathize with that. But the fact that he is so lazy and so unaware of things half the time makes me think that he was just never that good to begin with. I mean, did you watch the game? How many plays was he? Two plays he was laying on the ground, and then we watched a couple of plays where guys made receptions where he had like a five-yard buffer, and that's his lane to close in. And he makes like some blase blah, you know, half-ass hit on somebody. Like, to me, he looks like he's scared to hit anybody, like, at all. And then I, that guy I, just ricochets an off of that and gets another three yards before someone else that actually wants to tackle him tackles him. Yeah, before Proctor comes in like a like a silver bullet should and tries to plow him over. Like, I just I mean, don't like him, dude. I, I don't know if he's given up because he doesn't want to get hurt because of his draft stop or if he's really this lazy. I mean, I'm even trying to sit. Tell me legitimately, besides one game where he had, I think he had like two picks on the air and they were off bad throws. You know, it wasn't like he went up and stole the ball from someone. But tell me honestly, when's the last time you remember that Sean Wade made a good play? Like a tackle to stop before a first down or actually broke up a pass? Because every time, like, even though the it was obvious that the Clemson wide receivers were pushing off a little bit, but man, be a man and get in there and... Try to do something like it's I, I don't understand. He just literally looks like he doesn't care. That's exactly what it looks like. And he's the thing also that kills me is that Sean Wade was so highly touted. You know what I mean? And and I get it, man. He's quarterbacks are seeking him out. They're targeting him like your number one corner is not supposed to get targeted like that. Like they're supposed to throw away from you. They're yep. throwing at him because they know they can beat him. Yeah, anytime there's been any type type of quality receiver, especially Indiana, lit him up. Penn State lit him up. Clemson, him individually, lit him up. Uh, he's a liability. Don't I don't know how you fix it because we we don't have a lot of depth at DB right now, and I don't I don't know how you address that at this point. I don't think you can just you try know, to put a bandaid over it and hope it doesn't hurt us too bad. For hope the that natty. he comes to play. Yeah, I hope he comes to play. I mean, I, I'm not saying that I don't think that Sean Wade is not capable 
of doing the things that he's advertised to do. I'm just saying that for some reason he doesn't want to do them, it looks like. Yeah, I, I don't have an explanation for you on that. I really don't. Maybe we're just remembering him being better last year because he was surrounded by more talent and he could be a little more free and it maybe didn't expose some of his weaknesses. But now that he's kind of more the centerpiece, it feels like it's it's too consistently bad for it to just be you know something simple. I think I, I just don't think he's as good as what the hype is. I don't. No. I don't either. But and, anyways, uh, I don't want to spend all the time. This was a happy moment. Let's get back to happy. Such a happy moment. Uh, several times during the game, we looked at each other, man, and I just thought, is this reality? It had that feeling of the 2014 Alabama game, did it not? Well, leading up to it, it did. And I mean, it was the Sugar Bowl. We're wearing the same jerseys. I mean, like it was almost kind of like everything kind of lined up. It was crazy, too, that in the game, it's like some of the wrongs that happened last year kind of got righted this year. Like, you know, ETN kind of was banged up and didn't really run very good. Same thing happened to Dobbins after the first two quarters last year. We had a targeting call that went against us last year. They had one that went against them this year. We had a fumble play that was you argued with me. You didn't think was a fumble. It was close, but we got the benefit of the doubt and we got the fumble it literally feels like all the wrongs were righted we were the better team last year i mean judging by what we saw on the field we're the better team again this year and i think it has a lot to do with the game plan that was instilled just just answer me this question real quick i've been waiting to bring this up when was well first of all yeah that too first of all if there was a a drinking game for the amount of times that herbie mentioned brent venables during the game we would have been hammered after the first quarter yeah i wouldn't have lasted I tried to keep up, but I mean, we're like just sitting there talking about the game. Also, we hear Brent Venables. We look at each other right in the face. We go, Brent Venables. Yeah. Brent Venables. <laughs> like, good Lord, like get off, get off of him. Like it, we're so tired of hearing about Brent Venables that I, I hope that him and Herbie made out after the game. Cause that's the only way that this is going to, there's a lot of tension there between those two. Apparently I there's, bet a, that, there's a love fest. I see. I guarantee that. ESPN gives all of these announcers like a check sheet and maybe they had like a little side game going for like a thousand dollars on who could say Brent Venable's name more. He's like super troopers. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) They were playing a game of meow, but with Brent Venables, I mean, Clemson's office could offense could be on and they'd still go. Yeah. So the next drive, Brent Venable, he's like, Oh, check that one off the bingo board. When was the last time? in Ohio State history, that we threw three touchdowns to a tight end. Any tight end. Uh, let alone, when was the JT, last time J- we threw... JT Barrett had a lot of throws to tight ends. But Man, not, I feel like this is the first time in forever. Well, to use them to this extent, yeah. But it was the perfect thing because we didn't really utilize them throughout the season because we were a quote-unquote quick study, according to Dabo, and didn't have a lot of tape to review. I told you last week, and you can go back and listen, that we have the element of surprise. That is one thing that we were going to hold uh, in our pocket that was going to benefit us out of all of this. And that's exactly what we saw. We were pulling out things that we haven't done all year. And it's really hard <laughs> to defend something when you don't when you've not seen it before. Yeah, I know. So speaking of the element of surprise, how about the first touchdown to tight end? Which which one was it? Um, I think it was uh, Luke Farrell. No, he was the second one, I thought. Yeah, no, Luke Farrell is the one where he's just standing there and he like zips it in there. Yeah, talk about the element of surprise. Yeah, it's like he he's saw like, it coming, shit. but like, yeah, like, holy <laughs> crap, like, look what I found. Yeah. I mean, I, I still don't know if that was a perfect pass or it was just pure dumb luck, but it just well, seems it like he boxed out the, the Clemson player and just like snatched it in his left arm. 
the other tight end, whichever one did not catch that ball, because I can't. That's I, uh, I thought it was Jeremy Rucker. Rucker, I thought was the one that caught the ball, but anyway, it could have been. I don't know. The they, other one, whichever one caught it, the, the other one was wide open. Wide yeah, open. that's true. And I think when they finally started playing up, that's when we were beating them over top. Like yeah. whatever we were calling looked like it. The only plays that I saw that didn't look like they were working is we kept running Trey Sermon to the short side of the field. It was driving me nuts. But I again, I told you like. Either they're seeing something that's there and they're wrong, or those are setup plays. So, anyways, uh, I remember throughout the game, you're like looking at me like, what's your confidence level right now? Like, zero to ten. Ten being we're going to curb stomp them. Zero is we're going to get blown out. We both started out at like a four, maybe a three. Then I'm watching at some point. I'm up to a six. Chad's at like a five. Then something happens. I think he gets that ball tipped and throws his lone interception. And you're like... Chad's like, I'm back to a four. We're up by 21, but I'm back, back. I'm back to a four. Like, I've seen too many things happen. And it, it was almost weird. Like, we were kind of waiting for something to start unraveling. Just because it, it, not that we feel like it would, but just because maybe sometimes history has proven that that can happen. I don't know. I don't even know Dude, why we're, I don't even know why we're Ohio thinking State. that. No, but see, I do. Ohio because State never, doesn't really blow things like that. Like, normally we get blown out by just acting like idiots for the whole game. But, but no, but like, even in last game, don't you remember... What play was it? There was a play that completely changed. It was the targeting call. The targeting call completely changed the feel of the game. Like from then on, like the tide changed and it was noticeable. And I felt in right. those situations like that where something bad happens, I always think, oh, here we go. Like, you know, they, they do have, you know, quote unquote, the best quarterback in college football right now. And a lot of weapons, you know, there's still a lot of time left. Now they've got something going their way. Like, is this the start? Right, you know that that always seeps into the back of my mind. Well, if you remember after that tip ball, because we were going down there getting ready to score to try to go up forty-two to fourteen, yeah. and at that point it would have been like, holy crap! You know what I mean? Uh, he gets the ball tipped in the end zone, and then Clemson goes ahead and drives it all the way down and scores to make it a fourteen-point game. And at that point, it was thirty-five to twenty-one. And I think that's the moment where we both looked at each other and said, "We have to score right here. Like we have to." And sure enough, Justin Fields fifty-six-yard bomb to Olave. Let's talk about Chris Olave for a quick second, man. Most I will say underrated this. player in the country. Gets no credit for anything he does, and he might be... Listen, I mean, I know, I know it sounds like a hot take, but, you know, he, he's, he's a Devontae Smith. He may not be as athletic or as shifty or as quick, but in regards to the numbers he puts up and the importance to the team... He's a Devontae Smith. I'm sorry, but he exactly. is. Yeah, he is. I, You know, obviously, I, I still stand by Garrett Wilson's the best receiver on the team. Most athletic, most athletic and the highest highest ceiling that he could reach in potential. Right. Absolutely. But as far as what you mean to the team, dude, Chris Olave just makes it happen, dude. He I makes mean, you it saw happen. that in the Northwestern game. Just him being out put a big old wrench in, in the passing game, and then it just snowballed from there. Just simply having him there as a threat opens other things up. And the biggest thing is, man, you know, Justin Fields trusts him. There's a relationship there. Those are some things that you just can't buy. You know, that that relationship between the two of them, he trusts him. You know, when a ball is going in traffic or a deep ball is there, he chucks it up and he knows a lobby's gonna go get it. He knows that. And like that's that, that's that something 50, you can't buy. Oh yeah. Yeah, like that fifty six yard bomb is good and all, but it's the plays like when it's third and eight and he finds the marker in the middle of the field and gets the first downs or he's over on the sideline and he drags that foot. Like even that play that um Justin Fields came back from 
uh, after getting hit, his first play back, and he rolls out to the right and throws it to Olave. I was sitting there watching that play as it developed. I said, dude, he's not, no one's open. He's going to have to throw this away. Somehow Olave does this quick little shifty turn in, turn out real quick, come back to the boundary line, and drags a foot. And the ball literally was probably thrown about two yards out of bounds, and he reaches out and grabs it with a foot in. Like, that's unreal, man. Yeah. Like, the 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 ball skills and the feet control that he have or that he has, it, it, he, he's so underrated. And the crazy thing is that he wasn't even a highly drafted player. Like, Ohio State was going to look at uh, a quarterback, and while they were there, they was like, hey, you might want to check out this other guy, too, while we're here. And that's kind of how Lave got put on Ohio State to begin with. Well, it was definitely worth it. I'm I'm glad to have him. He's, like I said, he's become one of my favorite Buckeye receivers. And that's and I'm not saying he's the best Buckeye receiver. I'm just saying, like you said, the feeling that he brings to the game, the energy that he brings. This offense completely changes when he's in there, and that's just amazing. So we brought up the last time uh, there were like three keys to the game that we thought were going to be important. It was red zone offense. It was defense getting pressure on the quarterback, and it was just overall play calling, like mixing it up, being balanced, you know, having uh, just kind of a good feel to the game and not being predictable. In my opinion, I think we scored an A or higher in every single one of those. Obviously, the red zone, um, we just had that one tipped pass by fields, and I'm not even sure if he was completely in the red zone. He might have been outside the 20, but there wasn't a single field goal attempted in that game. No, and at one point when they flashed that stat on the screen, you know, you and I looked at each other and realized that of all the drives we had, and this was late in the game too, we'd only punted twice. Everything else was the touchdown. Yeah, it was, uh, at that point, it was like two punts in the pick, and that was yeah. it. So like out of eight possessions, we had scored five times, and 35 points in the first eight possessions, that's uh, that's getting it done. And I think a lot has to do with we had the game plan against the way Brent Venables um, coaches. Brent Venables. Um, because he likes to do like a lot of late calls and shifts and stuff kind of after he sees the offense lineup. If you remember watching, especially in the first half, we'd be huddled. It was, it wasn't like we were running tempo, but we'd be huddled up. And then all of a sudden, you know, we would real quick get in formation and then one clap and boom, go and give him no time to adjust. And even on that first touchdown, that Trey Sermon run that ran, that went for like 30 some yards, uh, we snapped the ball and they didn't even have half their defense in position. The the game plan, bravo. Absolutely bravo. And, and like you said, uh, I really enjoyed the tempo thing too because a lot of times we, uh, I mean, we mixed it up all the way down. You could never tell what we were doing. I mean, we sometimes we went fast, sometimes we went slow, sometimes in the middle. I mean, there was just so much going on. And, and dude, you could noticeably see Clemson's defense was perplexed a lot. Yeah, Moskowski was still in there. He's yelling at people to come one way, then trying to yell them to go the other way, and then you catch him out of position. And oh, it was funny, like on that first pass to the tight end where uh, Fields rolls out to the left, stops, turns like 90 degrees and throws back across the field. You watch Skowski completely going all the way over the fields, and as soon as he sees him stop and turns, he just kind of almost puts his head down and just points to the left like, it's going that way. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody you know, it. yeah, somebody, somebody get it. So, oh yeah, man, we, we, everything that we thought was going to be critical in this game, we did with flying colors. You know, we had a few things go our way with some calls. Uh, finally, uh, not that they were super questionable, but at least they went in favor of us. I mean, sure, there were a few kind of bad calls on both sides. Like there was one time that that led to a touchdown for Clemson where Pete Warner got called for like grabbing the hole of a helmet and there was no hole in the back of the helmet. No, he just had his helmet, his hand on the back of the helmet, didn't grab anything and got flagged 15 yards for that. And I think it was a third down play. Yeah. So, you know, and I think they let a lot go. Like we were talking about, um, 
Well, that's a big a lot of hand crew. fighting and push offs uh, that were let go receiving wise, you know, and they, they had excuses for him. You know, the one on Seve Banks that I really think about, um, you know, that he pushed off pretty hard. I mean, to the point where he made the play by pushing off like that. And they're saying because, you know, uh, Banks didn't turn around that it wasn't pass interference, but um, yeah. I was kind of surprised by it. But I mean, for the most part, though, I'll be honest. Yeah, it's really hard, to, especially you know, at live speed, to make the right calls on everything. Like I get that. It just gets frustrating when it seems like you consistently don't get the benefit of the doubt on some calls. Uh, and I'll tell you what, our DBs all year have not gotten the de- the benefit on any. Uh, offensive pass interference calls. I don't think there was a single offensive pass interference called against the other team that we were playing at all this year. Here's my biggest question for you. I was saving this one till kind of the end when we were talking about Clemson here. And that is, do you think that this team that came out here on Friday night and did this is the real Ohio State team, or was this just us playing out of our mind? I think it's a combination because I think the drive that we had for this game is going to be hard to mimic, especially since we're kind of inferring that we're talking about can we match this against Alabama in the national championship game. We've had a grudge on this game since last year. The goal was to get back to this game. Honestly, I mean, sure, the goal is to win the national championship, and had it been against Clemson at that point, then great. But really, we wanted another shot at Clemson. We wanted it. The players wanted it. It's one of the big reasons why we fought so hard to have a season and we fought so hard to try to get to this point. So that's why the craziest thing of this whole thing is that we actually got that semifinal matchup again. Looking back, it's almost kind of like, how did we not see that they were going to come out so fired up? Like you figured they would. We hope they would. But it was really hard just because of what we had seen on the field up to that point. But man, it's just, it's crazy to think about it, isn't it? Like we literally get another crack at it a year later and we do it and we are dealt every bad card to not even get, you know, given a chance to get there and we still manage to do it. I think the biggest motivation for us coming forward here, obviously I told you that this was my Super Bowl, just similar to 2014 when we beat Alabama. That was my Super Bowl. Playing in the Natty and beating Oregon was a bonus for me, um, but I wanted to shut the SEC up. This year, I wanted to shut Dabo up. You know, I'm glad that we're going to the Natty and everything like that. But but this was my Super Bowl. And I think the biggest motivation for Ohio State going forward in this national championship has to be that we're still an underdog and that people do not believe that we deserve to be there, even though we beat Clemson. Yeah, I think it's going to be a little bit tougher to find some external motivation other than just the motivation of, hey, you're playing for a national title. Because I don't think there's there's not the bad blood towards Alabama as much as there was towards Clemson. And you got to think, I mean, I worry about a little bit of a letdown that could potentially happen because of how much they put into that game. So, I mean, that's this is going to be Ryan Day's biggest coaching job is not just game planning for Clemson and, I'm sorry, for Alabama, but how are we going to keep these guys motivated after, you know, letting it all out in the field? Because they did. They, they put it all out in the field for 60 minutes in that game. Like even to the end, picking off um, Goldilocks in the end zone. Uh, seven banks getting the pick and then running it halfway back up the field the whole 60 minutes man we left it all out in the field and you could just see that you know guys were just like oh my gosh you know like almost that deep breath as soon as the clock hit triple zero and it's like it was a reality i just i don't know how you bottle that back up and reproduce it again so i mean we're, we're gonna save the 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 preview for the national championship for another episode, but that that's kind of one of my, I guess it is a little bit of a worry on what kind of effort and motivation are we going to bring um, here in about what here in a week here in a week, man, it's hard to believe it's creeping up on us already. 
I feel like I'm not even fully over this game. I haven't even fully processed this game all the way. And now we've got to worry about, you know, preparing for Alabama. Like I said, man, just the high coming off this game was just surreal. And, you know, I was actually happy to go back to work today uh, because, you know, I work in a place where there's a lot of guys, you know, a lot of football fans and stuff like that. So just to hear everybody talking about it today got me kind of extra juiced up about it as well. And everybody's just riding this high. Nobody thought, even Ohio State fans, man, a lot of them didn't think we were going to take it to this point. They really didn't. So I'm just happy that we got one. Finally shut Dabo up. Finally shut Clemson up. And you know what? We'll never shut the media up. But at least we did all we can do. You know, and, well, uh, you know, you, you hear a lot of local stuff. Sure, you hear the national stuff, too. But you hear a lot of local stuff being in Columbus. Me being in Kentucky, a lot of the time I'm hearing more of the national side of it. And to be perfectly honest, we got a tremendous amount of respect after that performance. Now, they're actually giving us somewhat of a hope against Alabama when it was seen that Alabama is just miles of, uh, you know above everyone else and no one's going to touch them. We've even been, been given hope. Just hearing that, whether or not I believe it or not, it's a different story, but just hearing them finally give the respect to Ohio State after seeing that performance and you know a lot of them having to eat crow and say, hey, we were wrong. Just hearing that. That made my whole season. That made everything worth it. That made all of those times that me and you were trying to get together for a game and something would happen or a game would get canceled last minute or we get the, you know, COVID report and we'd be missing stars and we'd watch, you know, them have a difficult time missing people and everything that we've went through. And it's not even just what we went through. Like I, I said last week, like those kids have not had any social life. And as an 18, 19, 20, 21 year old to be, you know, basically completely antisocial. I mean, those are some of the best years of your lives and you enjoy, you know, being around people and, you know, they've been super limited. So that's got to mean so much more for them as well. Oh yeah, man, absolutely. And you know what? There's part of me, I can't help but feel and that Ohio state locker room, the motivation is going to come from like, this is it. You fought all this way all season long. They've hurdled so many obstacles, man. So many things have come their way, and they've hurdled all of them. And here it is. This is your shot. This is what everybody came back to do, people that didn't go to the draft and came back. You know, this is what it is, man. This is it. It all comes down to four quarters of football on the 11th. Yeah, and I, we're, we're going to have a lot to talk about uh, with that Alabama National Championship preview. I'm trying to bite my tongue now and not dive into it too early, but it's almost kind of weird because – like I was so hyped for the Clemson game and it was so exhilarating having that win that I'm trying to find the motivation to come back and be amped again in a way. And I guess I kind of felt the same way back in 2014. Like I was so happy about beating Alabama in the sugar bowl that year. That is just kind of like once that national championship game came, I was like trying to amp myself back up, you know, yeah, just to make sure that it was like, okay, Hey boys, like this is for it all now. Like what happened 10 days ago in the semifinal was great, but we're moved on now. Now, you know, it's right here in front of us. One more game. We win the national title. Like it's crazy, man. Like we just started the podcast this year and we have been covering the craziest year in college football history and the craziest season Ohio State's had to go through and all the doubters and all of this stuff we're going through. Dude, we're in the national title game. Like we actually have one game and a chance to win it all. And how yep. many other times and how many other years did we feel like we had that team all year and we came up short and didn't even get to national title game. But yet here we are. I feel like that's how it works half the time, doesn't it? Like the years that you think that you should make it there, that you have the squad, that you have the experience, you have everything, like somehow you fall short. And then these years where you're like, everything's messed up. The team isn't gelling right. I mean, cause think about it. Last time we won the title, man, 
Last time we won the title, we did it with a third-string quarterback. Well, let me tell you this. I mean, if history repeats itself, then we've got a really good shot because in 2002, we weren't supposed to be there. It was Miami that at that point had won 34 straight games, and they had already booked the post-game parties and everything, thinking they were going to kill us, and we beat them in double overtime. And then you look at 2014, like you said, Braxton Miller goes down at the beginning of the season. JT Barrett comes in, breaks his ankle in the Michigan game. Yeah, but we Braxton have Miller went Jones. down because he sucked. I want to okay. put that out there. No. No, don't you do that to me. Listen, this is supposed to be a happy podcast. So you you want to go down this road, we're going to be on here for another 30 minutes and someone's going to be crying. But if uh, you, like, but what I'm saying, though, is, okay, so this. I, I, so what about the years we thought we were going to win it? Like in 2006 with Troy Smith, got blown out. What about in 2015 when we brought everyone back and then we had that numbskull game against Michigan State? And yeah. Michigan State got to go to the playoff instead of us. And we were clearly one of the best four teams that year. But we just made a stupid mistake against a team we couldn't. So the times we think we're going to win, it's like we don't. And especially last year, man. Last year, the whole season, I'm watching. I'm like, there's no way that we don't win it this year. Like, we look unstoppable. Like, we're killing people. Justin Fields looks amazing. And we don't even get to the national title game. So it just, if history repeats itself and things go the way they have before... I've, that's good news for us. Well, hey, let's wrap this thing up. Either later in the week or or this weekend, we're going to be doing our national championship preview. Make sure you're checking out our stuff. We're excited. I can't believe it, man, another national championship. Even though it's only been a couple of years, it still feels like an eternity. And I'm just, um, I'm happy that we get this opportunity, especially in the year we started this podcast. Yeah, and I mean, there's something that I try to tell myself and try to tell other people too, especially being a fan of Ohio State. It's so easy to always be critical, to always feel like we're, we're, you know, not accomplishing or not doing to the best of our ability or something. You know, we're, we're constantly bickering. That's, you know, because once you're, you know, we have these expectations, it's very easy to fall short of those. Before even looking forward to this national title game, enjoy what we just got to experience in that semifinal because that was special. That was probably one of the best quarterbacking games in the history of Ohio state. And if Justin Fields doesn't at least get a tree named after him or a statue or a plaque or something, Ohio state, then something's wrong. We need to rename something after Justin Fields because that boy has earned everything that he deserves moving forward. I agree, man. Well, Hey, let's wrap this thing up, dude. Tell okay, them where you can so, find us. Yep. So as always, uh, I post these on YouTube um, if you want to go ahead and listen to them on there. And we're also on the other uh, media platforms such as Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Google Play. So uh, if you're just driving around your car or working out or just got some free time you want to listen, go ahead and give us a listen. And uh, also we're on Facebook and Twitter, so reach out to us. Uh, give us a like, comment. Um, we'd love to hear from you. And hopefully moving forward, we're going to try to be a little more interactive uh, with our listeners. I'll, I'll just kind of leave it at that but we're definitely going to have some more interaction with you guys so look forward to that as well but thanks for listening guys thanks for the support we're going to the natty baby and as always go bucks oh h